The Numinous Podcast with Carmen Spaniola. Hi there, and welcome to the Numinous Podcast, where we have interesting conversation with everyday folks about the mystery of life. This season is brought to you by The Threshold Community, a new online collaboration between me and my dear friend, Holly Trular, where we're going to gather with like-minded collapseware people to tend the threshold of the twilight times of the world as we've known it. Together, we're exploring collapse preparedness, attachment and trauma, animism, eco-psychology, grief and death and ritual, transformative justice, creativity, and play. You can read all about it at thethresholdcommunity.com and find us on Instagram at Tending the Threshold. I'm your host, Carmen Spaniola, and today on the podcast, I'm connecting with Darius Mills. Darius is a conjure oils expert and, to be honest, probably one of the most charming guests I've ever had. (laughs) And when I say that, I mean... I kind of feel like he cast a spell on me to come on the show, but I'm not even mad. I I probably receive like, I don't know, a half dozen uh, guest pitches per week from publicists and people who want to be on the show. And honestly, my show's really only about the topics and people that I'm personally engaged with at the moment. So usually I just write like a one word, one line response, like, thanks, but no thanks. But for some reason, with Darius, I was like, wow, what a charming guy. Conjure oils, huh? (laughs) Okay, why not? And I really loved our conversation. I think, um, you know, my, I think I'm like a moon in Leo and Pisces rising. I'm pretty sure that's it. And, And that seems to play well with his Piscean Leonine qualities in this conversation. Um, And now I'm taking his Conjure and Create class in September. So obviously his technique works. I connected with Darius online. He was at home in Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam. So Darius, what identities do you lead with? I like to start with being a spiritualist because I say spiritualist because I tap into so many different modalities of magic, Solomonic magic, hoodoo, conjure, shamanism, witchcraft. And I feel the one term that encompasses everything is spiritualist. Because to me, spiritualist defines someone who is standing in their divinity, someone who recognizes and lives a life that they know they can control and continuously chooses to control the reality from start to finish. So spiritualist is what I go by. Wow, that's so interesting. When you say spiritualist, it already uh, brings to mind, you know, what's her name, Blavatsky, you know, like the, the Victorian seance ooh. people and things like that. Yeah. So it's like, ooh, past lives, maybe you have some relationship there, but yeah, the spiritualist tradition um, does mm. encompass a lot of things in terms of yes. syncretic and bringing a lot of stuff in. That's cool. So I would love to begin with just a little bit of your um, early life background. Like were you raised within religion mm. or with spiritualist teachings like how how did how was your spirit nurtured as a young person very good question so i was actually raised in the church Uh, my grandmother was the sunday school teacher of an apostolic church so we were in church every single sunday there was no choice (laughs) it wasn't Mm -hmm. a matter of oh i want to go to church today no you were in church guaranteed she had the actual key to the church the first one in almost the last one out as a young adult, at being in elementary school, basically being in school from Monday through Friday, Saturday was my only off day because Sunday was a church day. So I was raised in the church and I remember never wanting to go, to be honest, never wanting to go, but knowing I had to go. And one day in particular in church, I remember just counting down the hours to go home and this surge of energy flushed through me. I, at that point in my life, it was very foreign to me what I was experiencing. But in that moment, I knew it was love. It felt like the, some, like joy, just blissful, open-minded love and joy. And when that surge went through me, the pastor of the church noticed it. She said I was anointed in that moment. So that, that let me know two things. One, there's something higher than myself that exists. Two, other people can recognize it as well. Because she saw it within me as I felt it, and I felt it knowing that it was real. So that really just opened my mind to the possibility and the magic of life because I knew organized religion was not for me. I knew that at a very young age, but um, I did realize, thankfully, because of the church, that there's something higher that I really want to tap into and I want to follow this path of finding that un 
just that unconditional love I felt. It was insane. I've never felt that since, honestly. And I've been searching, trying to get as close as possible to that. And that has led me to, it started with astrology. Astrology was the gateway drug, I like to think. So I'm, I'm a Leo. And I'm like, oh, what is my moon sign? What's my rising and stuff like that? So I dove into astrology and realized that certain um, astrological um, aspects lead into intuition. So I'm like, oh, I'm a Pisces rising. That, that means I'm clairvoyant. Let's try and tap into that. Meditation, tarot, um, Reiki, crystals, and it kept just diving in. Hoodoo, conjured Solomonic magic, and you know, just stuff like that. It was really a consistent momentum. It just kept going and going. I was very curious. I would spend all my life on the internet, Googling, researching, learning, not really going out on the weekends, not really care for a club or anything. No, just obsessed with learning and diving in deeper and deeper and deeper as much as I can. So how old were you when you had this unity experience in church where the pastor recognized that you'd been anointed? Elementary school. I don't know the exact age, but very young, very, very young for sure. Because I recall the church was mainly a thing that I was required to do at a very young age. In middle school, I kind of could weasel my way out a little bit, a little bit. But elementary, no, church. And I remember like being very annoyed by that, but then having this experience that kind of wanted me to go back to church to see if I could experience it again. Mm -hmm. So it was definitely a very young age. I would say fourth, fifth grade, that very young. And so then this period of seeking and expansion and um, all this uh, experimentation, you could almost call it, with the esoteric, like, did you have to hide this from your grandmother? Like, what's the environment, the cultural environment in which your seeking was happening? Ooh, so I moved out of my parents' home at the age of, like, 23-ish, like, 22, 23, and once I did, I dove into everything. Like before it was kind of like, oh, Darius is meditating. He knows he's a little different. That's okay. But once I moved out, I dove into everything. I put everything on the internet. I started wearing different clothes. Like, you know, like sometimes, um, stereotypically speaking, witches tend to wear certain um, attire. I really dove into that. I wanted <laughs> to really like take on this identity of a spiritualist and magic and so forth. So I started posting videos on Facebook. And of course, these videos were not well received by family. But I thought to myself, hmm, I'm paying my bills. I'm paying my rent. This is my internet. This is my computer. I'm going to do what I want to do. And I did. <laughs> so there was definitely a backlash, but I didn't care. I'm, I'm, I felt like an adult at the time in my life. So I did it. And yeah, it was great. It was awesome. It was awesome. So your grandmother, um, being the Sunday school teacher, and obviously it sounds like she set kind of a tone, you know, the matriarch mm. of the family, everybody, everybody going. Um, is she still alive right now? She is, yes. Yeah, she is. okay. And so is would you consider her a spiritual influence, even though you have very different paths and traditions? And or like who would you consider to be your greatest teacher influence on your adult path? Okay, so she was definitely the first teacher because whether she knew it or not, she had these folk magic traditions of using olive oil and anointing your, your tire of your car for protection, using yeah. Florida water to cleanse your house. So she was already doing these things that she was unaware she was doing. She, re, she deemed it a religious practice, but at the crux, it was a folk magic intentional type of energy she was doing, whether she knew it or not. And to me, it was very normal, like Florida water for cleansing, olive oil for protection, all these things she was doing and reciting certain psalms to protect the home and to cleanse the home and to pray over us as children. She was already planting seeds of this folk magic. I just took it up quite a notch. So as an adolescent, she definitely did that. And I think it comes, um, I think it comes from my great grandmother. From what I intuitively tapped into, my great grandmother was so much deeper into the witchcraft, into the, um, the, the folk magic. I just don't think it was passed down. Um, mm-hmm. So that was my first teacher, my grandmother. As an adult, it has been a multitude of people. I think the biggest one, I would say, probably Abraham Hicks. Are you familiar mm-hmm. with Abraham Hicks? Oh, yeah, yes. for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've spent days, hours, weeks, months, almost like all, all my, a good chunk of my life just studying, observing, and learning, and applying different practices to attract certain physical teachers for Reiki or for shamanism. But the, the crux of all of those attractions was using the principles that Abraham Hicks professes. So mm. it, it, as an adult, it was definitely Abraham Hicks at the core, which led to other teachers from there. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So I would like to know more about what conjure magic mm. is. And, at, you know, for, for somebody who's um, 
to, I have no direct experience with that mm. spiritual tradition. So I'd love to know how you might explain what it is, where it comes from. And I am also curious, can you geographically locate this for me? Like where, where either were you practicing or where does the tradition come from as far as you Ooh. know, or your experience with it? Absolutely. Yes. So um, I'll first define it, give you a traditional definition and a modern definition. So traditionally, conjure is invoking spirits, typically your ancestors or those spirits who are already with you, to then create a result in the physical. So that's the traditional um, definition. The more modern one is conjure, you, you conjure thoughts, we conjure emotions. And as a result, these emotions then lead to other things. So that's my modern definition of it. The history of conjure in the traditional sense comes from West Africa. So during this time, a lot of West Africans were practicing, um, they were honoring their ancestry, their um, ancestral veneration, working with herbs of the earth to um, dance and call forth these spirits for physical results. And during the transatlantic slave trade, they were taken from that place and put into South America, the Central America, the Americas in general. But since they didn't have their tools, it kind of adapted and evolved to, to use what you got to get what you want. And that's what hoodoo is, basically. So it so hoodoo and conjure is kind of a, a connection. A conjure is a part of hoodoo, hoodoo being an umbrella term of just magic, using this to get that result. And a good crux of that was conjure, to invoke certain spirits to then be able to manifest a specific result. But most importantly, usually the spirits you are invoking are ancestral spirits. So when I say ancestry, one might think of physical lineage, grandparents, aunties, cousins. That's great, but there are other types of ancestry, angels, deities, higher self, spirit guides, you know, things of that nature as well that we all are, it's important to tap into to then um, be able to manifest a specific result. Does that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. And I'm okay. curious how you came to, Ooh. like, so your grandmother was doing it, but calling it something else. And so how did you come to discover like, oh, this is like part of my lineage. <laughs> this mm. is a thing, you know, like, how did you learn about conjure? Okay, so after years of d diving in that rabbit hole of spiritualism, it got to a point where I was teaching others to give psychic readings, psychic development coaching at a course. I was teaching them, I was doing sales calls. One of the prospects I was on the phone with mentioned, hey, have you heard of Hoodoo? There's this person on Instagram who has these candles and they're changing lives. I'm like, what a candle, they're changing life. What, what does that mean? So I, I went on Instagram, I got one of the candles she was selling and I used it and I, before I used it, I, I, I felt the energy of it. At this point, I'm a, I'm a Reiki master. I've been doing readings and stuff, um, energy healing. So I'm very familiar with energy at this point. So once I touched the candle, it felt familiar, but I've never seen such energy applied to a candle. Usually it was applied to a person using their hands and whatnot, laying a pants. So when I got the candle, I immediately felt the energy. Then I lit the candle and the energy like kind of shot out everywhere. And I felt and I experienced the manifestations of it. And I was very intrigued by that because at this point I was feeling like, all of my practices were not deep enough. I wasn't, they weren't kind of, it wasn't physical enough for me. So I was looking in, in a way, looking for something more in depth, something more physical, something I could actually manifest instead of just feeling good or just knowing like, oh, I'm using energy, cool. I wanted an actual result. So I got that candle, used it, then to kind of observe it on from an energy standpoint, and then tried to recreate it myself using all my own methodologies and it worked. And then I created my own, what's known as a honey jar spell. And I made this honey jar spell and then I gave it to people on the internet and they, and they got crazy results. So I went from having no idea what hoodoo is to being someone who's getting people results within a matter of a month. And I just realized that the crux of what I was doing, I already had the tools to do it. I just needed the avenue and hoodoo was that avenue. And do you feel ever that you have you know, ancestors in your lineage that were just trying to get you in front of it somehow? Like, do you feel Absolutely. like you're channeling something bigger? I'm yes. sure many listeners want to know, first of all, when the energy was shooting out of the candle, like literally physiologically, what did that feel like for you? Because there are a lot of listeners who are clairsentient. They might like to hear mm. what's it like for you. And also there'll be listeners who are like, tell us what a honey jar spell is. So, <laughs> so could you say more about those two things? Yes. So it felt like that time I was in church. It felt like love. It felt, felt like pure just energy. And it, it wasn't judging me. It wasn't condescending. It was just working in my favor. It felt like that, honestly. So if you ever feel like you just have an amazing day, like, oh man, Having a great day, it felt like that. That's how it felt. So a honey jar is a, a traditional hoodoo um, jar filled with honey, 
other herbs and a petition to manifest a specific result. Usually honey is used to sweeten certain aspects and kind of soften them. So if you have a lover you're interested in kind of soothing, you can use a honey jar in, over for that lover, or you can attract money to you. If you're having money issues, you can even make a honey jar to kind of soften your issues with money. But it's usually used for a long-term, slow and steady type of manifestation for something to attract something or to sweeten a situation up. Mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I know that there'll be people who are like, can I learn from you how to make honey, <laughs> honey jar and like work with that kind of magic? Or is it um, kind of something that would be better to um, understand? Like, is it, is it better to learn how to do that particular spell within the context of the larger tradition of hoodoo? Or, you know, like, it sounds like for some people, at least, if you've got the touch, it's going to work. But Bam. what would you say for a beginner? I would say that if you, I think it's like cooking to me. If usually when you're cooking, you um, you can can follow a recipe, you can, but usually you want to kind of just fill it out and go with how you feel. Knowing how you feel is going to be better than what that cookbook says. Same mm -hmm. principle of magic, any kind of magic, because hoodoo by definition is a little bit of this, a little bit of that to get a result. So yes, mm -hmm. there it does fall into. It does come from West Africa, and some believe that it's just for African Americans. I'm not one of those. I believe we are so much more than our ethnicity. I think this is not my first life. It's not your first life. I was white in one race. I was Asian in another lifetime. I don't want to just say, oh, you're not Black. You can't do this. No. You're divine. You can do everything you want to do, and I'm mm -hmm. going to help you do it. So a honey jar, What if you want to create a honey jar, get a jar. Set an intention, write that intention on a piece of paper. Usually when you're writing petitions, you want to be solution oriented. So don't say, I need money. I want this. I have this. I appreciate having it. Thank you for it. You want to be solution oriented. Write that on a piece of paper, fold it, place that at the bottom of the jar, add honey, then add three herbs that you feel are best for that same intention. This is where the cooking kind of acid comes into space. You don't want to, I could give you a recipe, sure, cinnamon for abundance, yada, 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 but I'd rather you just fill it out because what you're doing is tapping into your divinity and those herbs that you choose are best for you. So I could give you a recipe, but it won't be nearly as good as your own recipe. So again, jar, petition, honey, three herbs, close the lid, then shake it up a bit, get a candle, write that same petition on that candle on top, light it, and there you go, honey jar. And That's you a very just burn like basic that candle all the way down. Correctly, yeah. How do you dispose of things after you've done your magic, Darius? Yeah, I very ask good all the time, and I'm like, well, like, yes. it depends. But <laughs> what what do you say? So the reason I was so confident in teaching that honey jar recipe is because when I first made it, I buried it. Then literally, thirty minutes later, I got an influx of readings, like literally. So it wasn't like, oh, I wonder if this works. Like, oh, holy hell, this stuff works for sure. So I'm, I felt very confident. So I buried it. So after I, it burned down, I did one candle. Then I buried it in my backyard, moved on with my life. Within that hour, like six readings back to back to back. So burying things is a very phenomenal way, especially a honey jar, because a honey jar is still working over time. So by burying it, you're kind of letting go of it. So the mind isn't blocking the manifestation, but you're also allowing the earth to kind of take hold of it because earth energy isn't really worried about bills the earth isn't concerned with my neighbor you know being loud at night the earth is just vibrating high all the time so you want to create a space for your work to vibrate high all the time so burying it is an awesome way to end the work and to begin the work you want to raise your vibration as well so that way the honey jar is also vibrating on your vibration and hopefully that's a good vibration mm. yeah I really enjoyed the way you explained all that. And also the piece about um, figuring out which herbs you think are the ones yes. that, that you're drawn to and that are abundant yes. fewer that, that resonate. And in the Numinous School, a program that I used to run, um, the whole textbook was around principles and techniques. And this is when I went to cooking school in France, they didn't give us recipes. They, they taught us the principles yeah. of how to make pastry and then techniques. And it was like, you'd, you would make your own recipe if you understood yes. the principles and techniques. So I'm, I'm totally I love vibing on what you're saying. So is there an ancestor um, that you 
connect with in particular around your conjure? Yes. Like you talked about your great, great grandmother and, and, and are there others that you're like, Oh, these are my guides who actually teach me in this work or. Absolutely. Through it? Absolutely. So for a good chunk of my adult life, I'm 28, 29, actually today's my birthday. So yeah, oh, 29. Happy birthday. Yes. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Oh, happy yes. Return. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm 29 <laughs> today. And I would say a good 25 years of my life. There was one guide. He's a shamanic Aboriginal, so magic is his specialty. Connecting with spiritualists and entities and energy and harness it, harnessing it is his specialty. Mm -hmm. So he's been assisting me for quite some time. And although he is not a physical ancestor, he is a spiritual ancestor. We've encountered several past lives together. We've experienced this life in several different lifetimes. So he comes to me all the time to assist in my magic, to give me different techniques, to help me advance myself and my students going forward. So definitely him, for sure. Mm. Yeah. Are there other deities or or those that you would consider like ascended masters or others? Yes. However Ooh, you would yes. describe that? Jesus, absolutely, yes. Jesus to me, which is so interesting because for a good chunk of my life, I kind of... Uh, I didn't like religion. It just kind of rubbed me the wrong way, honestly, from some experiences I've had. So I've spent majority of my other life, this new life, kind of letting go of that judgment. And the more I let go, the more Jesus comes into play, not as a religious figure, but as a ascended master. I love that you said that because mm -hmm. Jesus, in my opinion, is the ultimate form of love, which means he's the ultimate teacher, right? He's the Michael Jackson of the spiritual world. You can't <laughs> deny his legacy, right? He's just <laughs> right. Jesus. Whether you, whether you like him or not, it's just factual, right? right? So I think it's important to see that and recognize that. And the more I tap into my own divinity, the more I see myself in him or him and me, however that works. But yeah, <laughs> so my current goal these days is to love everyone unconditionally. Not to be a pushover, but to see them as their highest self and know that they're having a human, human experience and to vibrate as high as I can. So when they're in the presence of me, I take them higher. That's mm -hmm. my current goal. That's mm -hmm. my current goal. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Jesus for sure. I appreciate that. Jesus was a dude. Like he really, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. For sure. And the more I uh, have studied and, um, you know, really undertaken some more radical feminist scholarship on Mary Magdalene, the more I use Jesus and Mary Magdalene yes. as, you know, guides and, um, you know, chosen ancestors for my marriage, um, how I want to teach, you know, I, mm. I yeah, I, I can appreciate that. And I didn't grow up in the church. I had no relationship to, to Jesus, but I do through Mary Magdalene. So I think I can, awesome. I can resonate with that where, where it's like a non-religious form of yes. love and respect. Yeah. Yeah. So what is your learning edge right now in terms of Ooh. your own personal practice with your magic? Mm. You know, like there's, there's always, you know, there's the stuff that we love to teach because it, it's yes. in our wheelhouse and it's, we're in our flow and it's really easy and fun to do. And then there's like our own developmental edge. And so what's yes. your developmental task that you are working on in your own spiritual and magical practice? I love this question. Yeah. I love this question. <laughs> so raised in a church, dove into spiritualists, went to school for molecular biology. So very different um, industries, very different aspects of the spectrum and all that good stuff. So what I'm realizing now is that everything is one. Everything is one. Every, every single thing is one. The scientist who goes off with his friends to discuss about the, the religious person is just like the religious person who hates the scientist. They're the same person. They're the same person. So what I'm realizing is that if I'm going to be a master of the spiritual world, I need to dive into the physical world as well. So what I'm learning right now is quantum physics and understanding the math behind the way this world works and the science behind it. I do have some background in physics, but it's more like general physics of gravity, force, you know, some chemistry and stuff like that, organic chemistry. But now looking into um, physics on a molecular level, how, how, how life is happening in a way that I feel works in the same way spiritualists, because I feel when I learn the quantum physics, I can then apply these aspects to the spiritual side as well. So I'm really diving into the specificity of the physical world. Wow. So, okay. Yeah. So what, like, as an example, what's the thing that you've learned about the quantum physics dimension of the cosmos that is impacting how you're actually practicing and manifesting? Ooh, so I work with a lot of liquids, a lot of things that hold energy. And quantum physics have shown that when we look at water, the, mo the molecules of that water arrange themselves according to our thoughts. So 
a very practical thing I could do is think of the outcome I'm wanting to uh, manifest, then simply look over at that oil while doing other spiritual practices or, or focusing on the spiritual side while also thinking of the mind as well or applying other aspects of, you know, so how, can, how else can I send out intention? With my thoughts, sure. But what if I also played certain vibrations, sounds, of course. See, I think spiritual, I feel like spiritualists have been doing these things for years. Yeah. We've already been doing these things. We just didn't know the, the real science behind it. We kind of just like, oh, this will work. I know this will work. But now I'm learning the reason why. So the mm. science and the quantum physics is more of the why it works when the spiritual was that, oh, it's going to work. I just don't know why. That kind mm. of thing. Mm. Yeah. So you have manifested some pretty dramatic yes. things in your life. Yes, yes. Would you tell everyone a bit about how you found yourself, you know, in Ho Chi Minh City? Like, and, yes. and give, bring us back all the way to America. Like how, yes. and how did Conjure <laughs> play Ooh. the part? We want to know your spells. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Ooh, hold that thought for a quick word from our podcast partner, The Threshold Community. This is a clip from a conversation with my collaborator on that project, Holly Trular. And we're talking about conspirituality. That's the intersection of conspiracy theory and spirituality. Back with Darius in three minutes. Conspirituality. It's probably going to come up at some point in most collapse-aware circles. What do you think of QAnon and the 1% being pedophilic sex traffickers and how that's going to affect your collapse preparedness, Holly? Yeah, I mean, first off, I think there's a high chance that that's probably true or not. Like, I, like, like, I, I mean, think- sure. Yeah. Okay. I, okay. Let's say Hillary Clinton, she seems like a busy lady, probably not a sex ring trafficker pedophile. Jeffrey Epstein, sure. Is that going to change what's in my earthquake kit? Fuck no. No. Am I going to get spent any time? No. No, well, this is the thing. Does it it change, again, anything that I'm going to do on the ground? No. And and do do I know that the oligarchic elite are dominating not healthy people for the most part yes and so it would not surprise me if they're doing very unhealthy things like some and, kind of vaccine something or microchipping or trying to track you is that going to take up very much of your time not or bent, mental bandwidth no no like i I'm interested in a conversation around surveillance capitalism and how we can use those things in a different way and, and our, the way in which we surveil or police ourselves and each other all the time. Like I'm interested in talking about that and the ramifications of that, like the difference between watching, surveilling versus witnessing and being with, those are really interesting conversations for me. But on a conspiracy level, of like you i don't even know yeah yeah fuck off with that i just i don't have time i have actual people in front of me that i'm trying to co-regulate with i like sure yeah we probably live in some dystopic situation like that it will i have any impact at that level no no so we're not we're not gonna spend time at the threshold talking about conspirituality no if people want to go on a walk with their beloved whatever that is, and, and ponder about that a little bit, that's great spot to do that. But doing mm-hmm. that in a group where you're taking up a lot of group effort and labor is not appropriate. So mm-hmm. please refrain. Restraint and humility. Restraint, Restraint and, humility. and humility. Exactly. <laughs> Hold your hot potato. Yeah. Hold your hot potato. <laughs> yeah. Like, or, and, and like maybe join another community, either in addition to the threshold community, or mm-hmm. like, if you're really into that, this might not be the community for you because Probably we're not, not. really going to be delving into that. You're like, accepting. I'm like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I like how you've, I like how you framed it, you know, something else in parallel to, for sure, if you want to keep that door open and you want to find your people there, but that we're not going to devote our collective energy towards that. No, 
I feel like that's like a one-on-one -on -one conversation with you and somebody else that's like willing to put up with you like hard hardcore, you know? Totally. <laughs> I really love you. That's like yeah. high level co-regulation. Yeah. yeah that's so, sweet. so um, after moving out of my home, after diving into spiritualism and kind of giving an F you to the, the religion aspect, I was in Miami, Florida. And I was really feeling myself. I was overly confident. I was doing readings. I was giving, doing courses. And I felt like, yeah, I can do this. I don't need a day job. So I quit my job as a waiter. Very bad decision. So as a result of quitting that job, I found myself homeless, mm -hmm. living in my car with my, a small dog of mine. So I was yeah. in my car for about two and a half months in 2016. And I remember one day in particular going to a, a local university to get Wi-Fi past the time. And I was put over by the police and they said to leave the car on where I was. And if I came back on campus, I would be arrested. So that night I actually slept at a bus stop in the rain with my dog next to a homeless man. It was the darkest day of my life. However, the following day I went to the park and I was laying in the grass. As I was lying up, I saw these flickering of lights, kind of like sparklers with dandelions, but not really at the same time. And they spoke to me, not with words, but with the, like, I just knew in my, my heart. And they said, if I were to survive this, I would thrive. In that moment, I did not know who they were, but looking back, they were um, Arcturians. Arcturian energies are part of my ancestry as well. So that was in 2016. Arcturians are intergalactic beings who specialize in energy work. They're, they're very um, good with energy. So if you need like an, an attunement, you can ask them to attune you while you sleep. I, all that good stuff. So yeah, they, they came to me that moment and said, hey, if you survive this, you will thrive. That was in 2016. So I survived it. I ended up moving back home with my family, got a job as a waiter, et cetera, and so forth, following this path of spiritualism and so forth, got into making that honey jar. I started making these recipes for people. I'm like, wow, this is, I'm really good at this. So I'm like, okay, what is something I really want to manifest? At the time, I was a waiter at Tiger Woods Restaurant, and it was an awesome job. It was an, it was an amazing job. It was awesome. So I thought to myself, I don't, I, wasn't, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to wait tables. And if this is the best this world has to offer, I have to find something else. So I'm like, okay, I want to leave the country. I want something drastic. I want to feel alive again. I've been obsessed with um, Korean culture for years, listening to the music, um, stuff like that, the, the food and whatnot. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to move to South Korea. So I made a honey jar. So I had the intention to move to South Korea. Within a week, I got a job as a teacher. This job pays my airfare, pension, severance, rent, um, a salary, and the flight over there and everything. It was awesome. So I went to South Korea in 2018. I stayed for nine months. As the ninth month, something said it's time to go. It's time to leave. So I'm like, okay. At this point, I'm making oils now. I'm applying the same principles of hoodoo, intention-based work, conjuring to these oils now. And I'm thinking, okay, I need to do something. I don't know what. So in hoodoo, we have a um, type of magic called road opener. So road opening is when you open up doors of opportunity. It's kind of very spontaneous because you don't really know where, where the opportunity is coming from. <laughs> so I did that on a Wednesday. By that Friday, a friend of mine reached out to me. We haven't spoken in a while, so it's kind of random. They said, hey, you should really consider moving to Vietnam. In that moment, I'm like, that is the dumbest thing I've ever, like, why would I ever go to Vietnam? I, I was very ignorant of Vietnam, honestly, very ignorant. I'm like, okay, does Vietnam have Wi-Fi? Do they have Wi-Fi in Vietnam? Just very ignorant of the, of the culture. So that Friday, I did my research for like 24 hours. That, by that Monday, I was on a plane to Vietnam, a one-way ticket to Vietnam. 60 days later, 60 days later, COVID happened. And South Korea, where I was living, South Korea was a major, like very early on, South Korea was hit by COVID earlier than America and so forth. So had I stayed, I would have been drastically affected by COVID in South Korea. But Vietnam has had a couple hundred cases, quarantine for only 23 days. I was, I just came from the gym before this. Um, I, I, you know, I'm going out to eat later today. I get haircuts and stuff. Right. Very normal life. So I manifested the perfect move at the perfect time before COVID existed using conjure oils, using these spiritual practices. So yeah, I kind of just, I followed that inner knowing. And that inner knowing to me is that ancestry. Because it wasn't something I said, oh, it's time to go. I was told it's time to leave. I didn't know how I would do it. I didn't know how it would come, but I was open, open to it coming. And it came in that way, in the perfect way. Wow. So you, you felt, you had the sense, yeah. I, I can really relate to that where you're like, something's coming. Yeah. And I Something. Yeah. totally know that one. And, and where, where you're like, I don't know why, but I'm just clearing my schedule. <laughs> like, yes. Something's about yes, to happen. Yes, yes. And so <laughs> you felt that, but then you knew, okay, I've 
I've, I'm, I'm reading the mail here. I'm getting the message. This friend calls, but then you do this road opening, like help me mm. find a way. Yes. Tell me a little bit more then about how the oils work mm. in conjure and, yes. and like what, what you're doing with that now. Okay, so I will say that every single person on this planet has a specialty. And the specialty is based off of your birth chart. So I have very, very strong Mercury placements. Um, I have Mercury, Venus, Mars, and the sixth house in Virgo, all um, positive aspects, all working greatly with my Pisces Ascendant, all these great stuff. So Mercury is really strong in my chart. Mercury rules over road opening work. So my specialty conjure oil is road opening. At the time, I didn't know that. But what I do know, what I did know is that oils hold energy, so liquid. And because it's a slower moving liquid, it's a thicker liquid than water, it's able to hold the energy longer. So I thought, okay, I'm gonna apply intention, conjure up, all, add all this energy to this oil and use it consistently for as long as possible. In my case, it took three days to do so. But what I was doing is I was applying it to my body. I was applying it to my feet. That were everywhere I go, the, I'm kind of like setting that intention with every step, right? I was then apply it to candles and work over the candles as well. Because candle magic is like a quick kind of, like a fast moving magic in a way. So I would apply it to candles as well. And I did that for three days, Wednesday to Friday. So on that Friday, I got the actual result of the friend calling. But oils are essentially used. So first you want to connect to your ancestors, make sure you know who they are, strengthen that connection first. By doing so, you kind of start to vibrate on the same way they do. So if I have the shamanic aboriginal, I'm going to start to vibrate as that, as him. So I'm going to gain that power that can then be applied to that oil that can then be used to manifest opportunities. In my case, is road opening. For others, you might have strong Venus place, placement in your chart. So love drawing, you might have protection. There's seven different types of specialties. They all coincide with the seven traditional planets, right? So the sun, the moon, Mercury, Venus, Mars, Saturn. And um, that miss the moon. I think I missed one. Oh, I missed one. Whatever. But yeah, <laughs> Jupiter. Ju Jupiter. Yeah, okay. that one. Seven. So there's seven traditional planets. Seven specialty conjure oils. So when you focus on your specialty, you get results so much quicker. At the time, I had no idea this was my specialty, but I got into that later once I got to Vietnam, and I realized, holy hell, I'm the best at this. And this one thing got me these massive results. I should start teaching people to make their specialty conjure oil because I made this massive move out of nowhere. You can do it too. It was easy. It, was, it wasn't hard, honestly. Looking back on that, I was like, oh, cool, I'm just moving. And now, like, holy hell, I made this massive move. I can do it. You can do it too. So I've been teaching people to make their specialty conjure oil. I have a student who her specialty is wealth. She played a 50 cent lotto ticket. And I think she made $700 and she's only like three weeks in my course. Like she is like, yeah, like she's, that's her specialty though. That's what she's best at doing. So she gets results so much quicker. If I were to make it, I would get results, but not on that level she does. So, right. Or maybe yeah. as quickly, you'd have to like right. put yeah, a yeah. lot more energy into exactly. it. Focus. Exactly. Okay. Yes. So when you're teaching people, do you also read their chart to know what their thing is? I'm I, like, well, my specialty is I want to do <laughs> right. How do people, how, yes. do, how do you do this with people? How do, or so, I should put that reverse. How do people do this with you? Yes. So it is a six week course. It's called Conjure and Create. And the whole course is based off of this CCC method I, I created myself. So connect to your ancestors, conjure them, then create your specialty conjure oil. So in the very first week, I'm showing you my um, methods of psychic development coaching. So you should teach that as well. So it's the very first week. So in the very first week, you're going to connect to your power ancestor, who is basically the ancestor that is in your life at this point, the one who's guiding you right now. So for me, it's a shamanic aboriginal. So that's a power ancestor. Then I show you how to make your altar, how to make your specialty conjure oil. And a part of that is me looking at your birth chart. I try to teach others to do it. And I realized it's trickier than I thought because I've been doing astrology for years. I'm like, oh, I know. Five minutes match. Got it. And it, I was having troubles teaching that. So I'm like, okay, I'll just do it myself. So I, I do that. I give you a recipe. But then I then give you a method to determine your own recipe. So some people like to kind of are a little hesitant. They don't trust themselves. I'm like, okay, I'll give you a foundational recipe. However, I'm going to give you another method to determine yourself what herbs you need to use for your oil. So I then give them that method and I show them how to conjure over that oil, how to add another layer of conjure known as Solomonic magic to then amplify the energy of that oil. Then the last week is how to use the oil. So yeah, it's a six week course and it takes you from not really being confident with the creation of these oils to having a step-by-step -step repeatable process to make these oils with amazing results in six weeks.
Wow, so fun. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, I <laughs> yeah. can't wait. So is it evergreen? Like any time a person Ooh. signs up, they can do it? Or there's certain open and closing times? So right now it is alive. So it's open and closing time. So usually the second half of the month. So um, okay. August, like 14, 15 to August 31st, I'll accept new students and it will begin the first week of the following month. Because gotcha. I, like, I, want to, I want to see your face. I want to interact with you. I want to get to know like, who, who are you as a person mm-hmm. so I can then better serve you. And as re- because it's live, I'm able to give live feedback, give live customized feedback, and give you like a roadmap. So I'm also teaching. There's Q&A. There's homework. There's action. I'm a big on taking action. I can say, hey, do this. But if you don't do it, you know, so you do it live with me. We are learning, we're learning concepts and reinforcing them live. So in week one, you connect to your power ancestor. By the end of that week, you're going to have results live with me in your face. You're going to do something. I'm going to eat results live. So yeah, wow. it's a live course. I, I think maybe in the future, it might be recorded aspects, but there will always be a live component. I feel like that's very important. So, okay. So I know that as witches, one of our superpowers is that um, we can petition you know, let's say the gods to override, mm. let's say, certain aspects of um, astrological influences, it, it, you know, to a certain extent and with some things, even if the stars don't align, we can conjure yes. some support. And, you know, I know that some of the astrology in 2020 is pretty tricky and there's a lot of obstacles and challenges for people and so how do you talk like how do how do you carry your hold that how do you position conjure and astrology together since i think you know astrology has a bit of a reputation it's written in the stars Mm. or it's mercury retrograde there's nothing you can right but you know it sounds like you have found a hack yes (laughs) or something absolutely so Astrology, conjure, magic are tools. Who's using the tool? You, you are the being, you are the divine one. You create your reality and you use your tools to create it. So honestly, I ignore Mercury Retrograde. I kind of put it out of my picture because I feel like by incorporating it into my consciousness, into my psyche, I'm manifesting more experiences that support that retrograde. However, what I, of course it still exists. I do have encounters of it. I think it's important to realize that we are divine and that if we focus on something, it builds energy. It builds energy. So I, again, I'm solution oriented. So in a world of chaos, I focus on peace I, I, to the point where it's almost delusional, honestly, but it works. <laughs> and I teach my students the same method of focusing on the solution in the presence of a problem. For example, when you come home and it's dark, do you grasp the darkness and worry about it? Like, oh, no, it's dark. Ah. No, you turn on the light and you keep moving. Without question, flip the switch, keep it kicking. Same process, you focus on the solution because in the presence of the solution, the problem cannot exist. So at the crux of a lot of my methods is solution-based techniques and solution-based methodologies because that is how you manifest, by focusing on the having of the solution. Because in that vibration, there's no problem. So Mm. I focus on that, yeah. So I'm just going to bring in an aspect of my, I used to um, follow Abraham Hicks quite a bit. And then over the years, I realized like, hmm, actually as a white person, there's some real problems there because uh, spiritual bypassing is a real thing. And um, you know, that saying like, Jesus saved me from your followers. I I kind of got a bit (laughs) like that with with Abraham Hicks and, 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 and other things. And I can imagine, I can hear in my mind, myself and other people saying, well, you know, you can't just manifest yourself out of certain realities. However, what, so one of them I'm thinking of is like, let's say white supremacy. But then when I think about it, it's like, well, you just manifested immigration to a whole different country where white supremacy is a much smaller problem. Ding dong. (laughs) Not to mention being African, like, yeah. Yeah, so I am going to... Be a little controversy here. I, I think at the crux of all life is creation. And yes, there are people on this planet who are not happy and not good. But if you're encountering those people, you're vibrating in the same space as them, whether it's the victim or the person who, you know, regardless of um, who is doing what, if you're the, the victim or the person and doing the crime, you're vibrating in the same space. So I challenge whomever's listening that it feel like they're being on the back end of racism or this or that to vibrate in a different direction. Honestly, being homeless was my fault. It wasn't like, oh, it was, they, it was me. It was me. 
not to say that I'm not to like point the finger at myself and be, be down about it, but to empower myself knowing I created that. I can create this. I did that. I can do this. So do you think though there's some yeah. people who just aren't quite as magical as you, Darius? You know, like they're or like let's say there's like lots of other things. Like some people are homeless and they're not manifesting. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> like they're like fucking trying the best they can. But the, you know, like there's all there could be karma, there could be karmic debt. And again, I'm not saying that they are manifesting being persecuted, but what I'm saying is like they are downstream potentially from generations mm. of trauma and you can't just put a happy face sticker on an empty tank of gas. Right. And so some people are just kind of working with what they got. Don't you think? Like, yes. It's there. They can't just like positivity out of it. They've, they've got some yes. real destiny, you know, or like large scale systemic. Yes, yes, yes. Working against them. I love this. I love this conversation. I love that we're discussing. This is very cutting edge stuff. So yes, yeah. I, I completely understand what you're saying. And I want to take it up a notch and see you in the best version of yourself, which is the divine. You Knowing that this world is just an illusion. Knowing that we came to this space with an intention, right? So the people who are living the lives they chose to live, they chose that life before they came into it. So yes, it might appear in the physical, like, oh, they're doing so bad. Oh, no. But in the grand scheme, they're creating all this contrast as a result there's an equal pull in the opposite direction of solution. So yes, right now they might be experiencing these, these hardships, but you know, um, how good can good be if there's no bad? And it's unfortunate that the bad is so bad, but I want you to think of the grand scheme. And yes, today, this year, their life might be terrible, but in the grand scheme of creation, their, their soul, their highest version of themselves is thriving because they know that with all this contrast, they're going to dive into the solution. They're going to dive into this peace. And it might be a different life. It might be um, when they're 80 years old, but when they get it, it will be worth it and their inner knowing will know they have had it. So I think an important thing for me as a teacher is do what would Jesus do? Jesus would see them in their best hold that vibration knowing that by doing so it'll start to rub off it'll be like a domino effect and then so i when i see someone homeless i don't see someone who's poor i don't see someone who's down on his luck i'm like okay that's a divine being experiencing this earth to gain contrast so he can level up and evolve so i see him as that and i see him so much love in that moment knowing that he like me is evolving in just a different way so it's important and for me to remove also, the physical jesus would be flipping those fucking tables in that temple right like what would jesus do he would be holding him in the light and he would be he'd be leveraging his own privilege he'd be like working on behalf he'd be redistributing wealth he'd be doing all those things yes. so, um yeah that's a great moment to bring in what would jesus do so Okay, so, you know, as you know, the last question on the Numinous podcast always has to do with grief and rage. And I'm very curious um, how you cope with them, or even if you do, because I have to say, in my experience, a lot of Abraham Hicks followers, or students, I should say, um, are a little afraid of feeling yes. those kinds of yeah, yeah. emotions right totally. so i'm, I'm yeah. curious i mean we know you're you let your life speak we, we know that you have you know a strong um practice that has gotten you through but i'm mm. i'm curious how you how you actually kind of sit in the shit and deal with yes. with grief and rage i want to discuss the path of least resistance people often think that oh be happy be happy be happy but if you're angry if you're angry, the path of least resistance is being angry. Leaning into that anger, let it, letting it exist, you know? Because with anger, there's power, there's control, which gives you a sense of hope. Once you get out of the anger, it's like, you know, I, I, can, I can take this power and apply it to something else. So mm -hmm. when I'm in a bad mood, I lean into it. I, I really do. And I, I understand the way time and manifestations work. So if I feel bad right now, I know within the hour, I'm going to create an experience that kind of is a ripple of how I was feeling. So I kind of like, okay, Darius, you're angry right now, you're gonna feel better, but later today, something might bad will happen. Be aware of that, look at it from an outside perspective, but don't lean into it. You don't wanna build this momentum of being angry and these angry results. So I kind of see it from that perspective, knowing that if I just slowly but surely very slowly, maybe over the course of a day or two, kind of let this vibration play out, it will play out. So mm -hmm. the anger, I lean into it for that moment, because to go against anger is a very silly thing to do. Lean into that anger, because going against it is going to make you even angrier. <laughs> Just lean that into the so anger. True. Lean into it. It's okay. You're not going to die. We all get angry. And as a result, 
when you are angry, feeling good will feel even better than ever before because you're angry, and that's and that's okay. Yeah, as a spiritualist, kumbaya and yeah, love and light. Yeah, that's fine. Be angry. It's okay. You know, it's it's okay to be angry. So I, I get angry. What's my, I get angry. That's my solution. <laughs> I love yeah. it. Is it the same yeah. with sadness? Do you have like? Do you really throw yourself into your grief too? Ooh, sadness is a little. I feel like so on the spectrum of on the joy spectrum. I feel like sadness is actually lower than anger. Because mm-hmm. anger has a sense of control and power. Sadness is hopeful, hopelessness. What do I do? A, sense of, a lack of direction. So sadness, I don't lean into it as much because it doesn't feel as good. Anger isn't like a fun emotion, but a part of that is like, yeah, I got this. Right? There's a sense of like control with anger. It's pretty mobilizing sadness, sometimes. Yeah, it is. It brings it on. Yes. Yeah. Well, sadness is not, it's restrictive. So I don't want to lean into sadness as much, but it happens. And I, I kind of, I just, I, I kind of just go, I don't want to say I lean into it, but I kind of just like, okay, dear, you're, you're sad right now. It's okay. Don't beat yourself about it. Like, you're fine. You'll be fine. It's okay. Chill so out. Sadness <laughs> is more like the water kind of just passes over the wave. Passes yeah. Over. Anger, yeah. you actually like, are like, okay, I'm just going to amplify. And then like, when it's done, yeah. it's done. Okay. Precisely. Exactly. Because with anger, there's at least, there's at least some positivity there. Whether you know, there's a power control, you can do stuff with it. You can make stuff happen. You know, you feel confident in anger, right? Totally. So yeah. Mm. Mm. Wow. Well, this has been really fun and super fascinating. And uh, yes. now, of course, I want to know what my magic, my special like of the seven Ooh, special yes. things. I'm like, what's my specialty? <laughs> so I'm really looking forward to learning more about that. Thank you so much for everything you so Absolutely. generously shared today, Darius. Thanks for coming on the Absolutely. show. Absolutely, You got it. This was fun. Thank you for having me. Well, that was great. So the place to go to find out about the next Conjure and Create offering is Instagram. Find him at Darius Mills 11. Darius, D-A-R-I-U-S-M-I-L-L-S 11. Watch his highlights and send him a DM. Registration for the next Conjure and Create closes August 31st for the September classes, and I will see you there. I imagine there'll be new listeners from all over the world who follow Darius, but I'm sending extra love to folks in Vietnam. Nice job on your COVID containment, friends. We're watching and learning. Thank you. If you'd like to follow me on Instagram, look for me by name, at Carmen Spaniola, and be the first to know about my new offerings by signing up for my newsletter at my website, carmenspaniola.com, C-A-R-M-E-N-S-P-A-G-N-O-L-A. Until next time, take care.